We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale, who I must say, kudos to you. I read uh, the article that came out about you as a journalist calling you a jazz musician. And I was like, even the person writing this article and this feature on you can tell that you're an old man. Of all the genres to compare you to, it was a jazz musician. And I was like, I'm so glad that old soul just jumped out to this writer. So that made me laugh to begin with. But let's start this off right. Happy Father's Day to you. Thank you, man. Same to you, oldest young man I know. (laughs) Yes, yes. This uh, 15-year-old no longer uh, wants to cuddle with me. So I'm chasing her around the house trying to make her cuddle. And she just wants to spend all her days on her iPad talking to some young fellow named named Chad, I think. Chad Corey. Corey is the kid's name. Oh, boy. From her grade. Yes. And last night she tried to pull the whole, oh, I'm going to sleep but leave my phone on. And we're just going to listen to each other sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, kids are still doing that shit. Like, whatever. I was doing the same thing, like eighth and ninth grade. 
So I was like, all right. I was like, just cut the TV off then so I don't got to listen to your damn TV. And then, uh, but no, she's now crushing on some dude named Corey who has just been giving her the work in Call of Duty. <laughs> I guess the kid does not but play Call of Duty over summer break and she's trying to like, you know, get in there. She's good at games, but yeah, he's just way better at Call of Duty. So they're playing 1v1 and she was down like 22 to 4. Damn. And she was like, Dad, come here. You got to beat him for me. She was like, game's 30. I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, so for a second, I was giving the young buck the business, but then he started noob sliding on me, and it was all bad. So See, neither same one. You still keep talking about Call of Duty. I haven't played it yet. I just oh, finished, yeah. <laughs> no, I finished Final Fantasy VII Remix. The Last of Us 2 just came out, so I just fired that up for the first time today. I'm never going to play Call of Duty at this rate. It's just never going to happen. Oh, I thought you were complaining because Last of Us wasn't getting to you until Tuesday. Well, I canceled my order and just went and bought the shit on Friday morning. because I was <laughs> You like, are you the know. worst. <laughs> you couldn't wait three days? No, man, I couldn't. Like, I finished Final <laughs> Fantasy VII on, like, Wednesday. And I knew Saturday we had all the fights to cover and today's Sunday, which is Father's Day. And I was like, well, this is a light day. So I need to have it now because I'm not going to have anything to do because I don't want to wait until Tuesday. And I was already at, like, Target. It was my wife's birthday. It was on Juneteenth. So I went and picked up her stuff, and I was like, ooh, The Last of Us 2. Might as well buy it. Canceled my Amazon order and brought this shit home. <laughs> we both got gifts. Well, tell the wife I said happy birthday. Oh, man. I'm sure she spent it at school. No, nah, she spent it at home. Well, she did some school work. We drank a lot. We ate about a cinnamon roll cake. There's this place called Cineholics that makes cinnamon rolls. Like, when you're with somebody for so long, you start running out of ideas of shit to do. Yep. So I found, like, a cinnamon roll. A cake that was made out of a cinnamon roll is fucking amazing. With, like, that place is cream. delicious, by the way. Oh, you know what I'm talking about, then. Yeah, like, it's it's like Cold Stone, but for cinnamon rolls. Yeah. So they'll yes. make it however you want and, like, yeah. mix shit into it. Ooh. Yeah. I we took the a- kids there once. I was like, yo, we can't come here more than once a year. Because this shit's just sugar on sugar on sugar. But it's delicious. Dark. And we had am- amaretto cream with caramel and chocolate sauce, with chocolate chip bites, with strawberries and bananas. Man. I, I felt I was so sick that night. Like, I was <laughs> so disgusted with myself. Yeah, man. That put you in the sugar coma. It is great, though. Uh, great. We both kicked off Father's Day earlier talking or posting pictures of our fathers. So I posted a picture of my pops, uh, minus, you know, the <laughs> wildness. It was a very nice looking picture of my pops. You guys who listen to the podcast have a whole different idea of who my pops is. And uh, it doesn't come across in pictures. He looks like a normal ass guy. You don't get that he's batshit crazy. Uh, on the side of that, you posted a picture of the legend today on Twitter. And I was like, Finally, like, I get the, not even the new pictures, because I've only seen new photos of you and your dad. Like, you guys hanging on the golf course. Um, I've seen him at your crib, obviously, like, birthdays, blah, blah, So, when your dad's in town, I know what your dad looks like. But this is the first time I've seen the legend. <laughs> OG Pops. Yeah. It was, I was like, okay. Pops had the thin mustache. The, I gotta be a player mustache. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, like, only, I swear, cartoon villains 
and your father are the only people who can pull off that mustache. Yo, that's... Yeah. That shit was clean. It's my pops, man. <laughs> so I was like, all right, the old man posted the pop, his pops on there, posted my pops today, and it got me thinking, because we talk kind of about our lives on the show and all this stuff, and we've told our stories about, you know, growing up with our grandmothers, all this stuff. But obviously, we've gotten to where we are now with both of our dads. Where was that moment where it, like, clicked for you? Because my family had a, a family Zoom call today for Father's Day, like the Dansby side. So the Dansby's all got together. And they're like, oh, you know, happy Father's Day. You guys are all great fathers and all this stuff. I was like, yeah, that's cool. And me and my dad have been cool for a, a good long while now. But in the beginning, it wasn't really like that. I was, like, raised by my grandma and stuff. So... I was like, yo, when was it that it, like, clicked? And, like, I'm super cool with my dad. And then I noticed, I was like, yo, I think Dre must have had that same thing. Because you go golfing with your pops, you chill. You, you'll go to Cali and hang out with him and see him, take the baby to see him and all that stuff. So when did that moment click for you? Where it's like, yo, you just woke up and you're like, yo, you know what? Me and my pops are mad cool now. Um, For me, because we've had such a up-and-down-down relationship... It was there were two two things. One was when Chanel was my wife was pregnant. Um, that babies changed everything. Apparently. Oh, quick, quick, yeah. fast. And you know, I don't like I, I don't talk too much about my family on this show like that. But it's one of those things where my father had the opportunity to make up for what he fucked up. Mm-hmm. So he saw that opportunity. So he you know tried to be a little bit closer. Um, and the other one is when I challenged him. There was. I think I went out there, went out there for Comic Con a few years ago, and I stayed at his spot. And then I just had all these questions about some fuck shit from my childhood that I just was like, "Yo," like I asked some questions and I wouldn't let him off the hook. Like he would give me answers and I was like, "Nah, that, that ain't gonna work." So we had like one of them real heart to heart. So we're still not like super close. It's still very, it's a, it's a strange relationship, but. I know that the the walls are because there were times like I wouldn't talk to my mother or my father for like a year at a time, like at all. So now we talk a little bit more often. But I guess it was those two things, and it, now we're like we're cool. You know, I haven't talked to him on the phone. It's Father's Day. I haven't even talked to him yet. I've texted him, but I'm probably gonna give him a call in a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's it's just one of those things, man. I, I know there's a lot of people that listen to this show that may not have like great relationships with their fathers. I know there's people that have fantastic relationships with their fathers. I just know for me. Yeah, I know the the moment that my parents found out that they were going to be grandparents, that changed everything for them, especially my father. Yeah, I always hear stories like from my dad about my grandmother, like my grandma Janice on that side, um, and she's always had an amazing relationship with me. So when the people are like, oh, I was raised by my grandmother, I was raised by both of my grandmothers. So I'd go on weekends to my grandma Janice's house and come back and spend time with my other grandmother. Um, where I stayed all week. So they co-parented me as grandmothers, which is crazy, together, perfectly fine. And so he'd tell me stories about when he was growing up and how my grandmother was. I'm like, yo, you're lying. Like, that's nothing how my grandma is. But he was like, when I was born, her relationship with me was so different than her relationship when she was a mother and how she parented and, you know, just how she is. I was like, yo, that's wild. But now I understand. Because my mother and father's grandparents, like you said, are so different with my kids than they were with me. Granted, they're still, like, running around, doing this. Um, 
they're relatively young and still doing the same thing. It's not like they're in one spot for my kids to always hang out with them. But their dynamic is just so much different as grandparents and how they respond to stuff. And they're just soft. Like, if we're being honest, they're soft. They got real soft as grandparents. (laughs) So, uh, no, but I was thinking the same thing. It's funny, you're like, you you and your dad have up and down relationship. Like, me and my dad still have ups and downs. It's cool now, more so than ever before. But it's always, and I noticed this, like, when I was younger, like, I was getting ready to go into high school to play football and it was clear that I was good and that's when the light switched and my dad was around all the time when I was in New York so, but it was like uh, I remember when I was in 8th grade I'm not sure if he remembers this story I think I remind him occasionally but he chooses to forget but I was at the end of like my chubby kid phase and I was just now losing my baby fat so I was coming back it was the end of eighth grade, so maybe I was here. Uh, in, I was in Vegas, that is. So um, I was losing my last bit of baby fat, and he was like, yo, when you come this summer, we'll take you to Central Park, we'll put the trash bag on you, and you run around Central Park, and you'll lose the weight. I was like, it's not that serious to me. And I was like, I, if that's the case, I'll just be fat. Like, I've been fat before. Like, it's cool, whatever. And then he was like, what? Well, and then he threw, like, a fit, and we didn't talk for, like, four weeks that summer until he came back around. But after that, that was like the turning point. And then like I started playing football. I lost my baby fat. I wasn't a lineman, which was this. That was the biggest thing. If I was a lineman, I don't know when I would have talked to my dad. But (laughs) I lost my baby fat, went in as a running back and a linebacker, and that was fun. So I get through high school, and I decided to play college football, and then we're good. Um, I chose Southern Utah so I could bring my ex-wife at the time. She wasn't my ex-wife yet, but my ex-wife and my daughter with me because they were paying part of my scholarship instead of going to JUCO because he thought I could make it to the NFL. FYI, now covering college football games like LSU and high-level games and national championships and shit, I never would have made it to the NFL. These motherfuckers are freaks in nature. Uh, I saw a linebacker from LSU who was the fastest man alive. This shit was crazy. He caught Lamar Jackson. I watched LSU versus Louisville one year in a bowl game. He hawked down Lamar Jackson. I was like, I can't even fathom this. Could have never done what you've done as linebacker. So, anyway, I stopped playing, like, my second year of college after my second year. And then that was, I remember that. And I was like, yo, Pops, I'm just going to be focusing on nursing school, which I was going to at the time. I'm just going to be a nurse. And I didn't talk to him for two years. And then I stopped going to school, moved to Kansas City, blah, blah, and then decided to do sports radio and cover sports. And then our relationship got great again and picked up. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? We're good as long as my life revolves around sports. Interesting. And I understand that now. So now, like, we're, we're perfectly fine. But again, I work at ESPN. So, like, if I decided to be like, yo, Pops, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to cover politics. Like, this shit just has me in a way where I'm done with sports. I'm applying for, I don't know, CNN. Not Fox News, I'll tell you that much. But I'm applying for, like, CNN. I'm going to go over there. And uh, I don't know what I'd talk to him. So it's one of those things where I was like, yo, I was really sitting down. I was like, my pops is great. And, you know, we have funny conversations about chops and shit. Um, but I was thinking about it. I was like, yo, that's, that's so weird. Like, our relationship revolves around sports. Yeah, that's wild. Like, like if it wasn't for sports, it'd be like, I, I don't know. I'd talk to him as much as i talk to my mother, which is very few and far between. So that, that shit's wild. But 
all that to say that we have these relationships with our fathers and you fast forward and I would say you are an amazing father. I try my best with these three crazy knuckleheads that run around my household all the time. And uh, no, but they're great kids. I mean, when I have three kids pulling straight A's, like a B is like horrific in my household. All playing sports and all doing well. Like I can't complain. Nah, man, so, that's good. Yeah, like it shows that like the cycle can be broken. And I look around Twitter and everything today and everyone's congratulating people. Everyone's showing off their kids. We have people who we're cool with becoming new parents. Like, uh, sh- shout out to everyone who just had a baby. I see a ton of tiny little babies on the timeline. And I'm like, man, that was 12 years ago for me. Yes. 11 years ago for me. Like, wild. Now it's uh, almost f- it's four years ago for you? About to be? Yeah, my daughter will be four this year. So I look yeah, at the babies, four, like, I'm like, yo, I remember those days. And I never <laughs> thought I'd get there, but yeah. Yeah, it at. just goes in a blink. So it's cool to see that we can make a mark as fathers and we've talked so much on this show you know about just the social climate and black lives matter and all of these things a a huge things that we can change in terms of our history and we can control things is being present fathers yeah and being better fathers than what we had and even now that we're cool with our fathers we can recognize like yo we're better than that last generation and that gives that gives hope for the future so i want to start off with that because it is father's day when we're recording this maybe not when you guys listen to it but uh father's day is always one of those sentimental days so it's cool to recognize like we all have different relationships as fathers with our fathers um maybe no relationship at all but it's a special day for everyone so want to talk about that thank you guys for listening we're still not getting into combat sports yet um no i lie we are it's just we're on the fringe of it Dre, I sent this to you because someone sent it to me on Twitter. Black Wrestling came out with their top 50 Black Wrestlers of the Year list. And I think it's a dope concept. They put time behind it. And they have a podcast explaining it. Um, Shout out to Ilfam79 on Twitter. Um, My dude been listening forever. And he's part of the Black Wrestling Podcast. They put it together. I thought it was a real dope concept. And then he passed it to me like, yo, check this out. Sent it to you. If you, and we'll just go through like top five. If you had to have a top five black wrestlers right now, how much of that is WWE related? Because I'll tell you on this list, Kofi Kingston is number one. Big E is number three. Yeah, and Keith Lee is number two. Oh, Keith Lee is number two. So yeah. Biggie is number four, I think. Yeah, Biggie's number four, Willie Max number three, three. and Nyla Rose is number five. Um, my list. Willie would... Mac is high. I'm, I'm glad for Willie. Yeah, a little I'm... higher than I would expect, but um. Yeah. Th- yeah, it would. I mean, to be honest, it would be pretty WWE heavy right now, because it, right now, I mean, as it stands right now, I mean, with Apollo Crews being champ, uh, Kofi being a former champ, New Day's tag team champs for like ever. Uh, even Bobby Lashley being in the heavyweight title picture, well, the WWE Championship, whatever. Um, interestingly enough, my one minor gripe is that Sasha Banks is like low. I think she's she's like, she's like fourteen. She's fifteen. She's behind Swole. Okay. And like Leo, people Rush. don't like 
Sasha that but that's like a personal bias for a lot of people. I don't know why. I'm a Sasha Mark though, so same here. You same here. Like I um, think I put her above Nyla. Yeah, I would too. In terms of like in ring, all around, yeah, I would. Um but I think a lot of this list is yeah, like what have you done for me lately? And yeah. um which is I fair. mean it's a year. It's this year. And Nyla's had a great year, so I, yeah. I can't argue with her being in the top ten. I think Sasha, with the heel turn and coming back after her WrestleMania hiatus and her work with Bailey and now being a champ, a tag team champ, really defending the belts. These shits were just doing nothing for the past six months. Don't worry, they'll be doing def- nothing again soon. Don't worry about that. That's fair, but it's been she, <laughs> Sasha specifically, along with Bailey, has defended these titles more than they were defended all last year. Very true. So, I mean, I, I would give Sasha a lot of credit for her work over the past year. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, man. Because you look at this list, and, like, Moose is, like, ranked, like, 44, which I think is really low. But the challenge with a list like this is WWE does have a lot of the black talent. And the the other black talent that's not in WWE are mostly talent on the come up. The Chris Bays of the world, obviously. Are, yeah. are the, the talent that we're talking about, AJ Gray, um, who actually had a really great match. I just watched GCW, and they just had their return. It was crazy. It was, like, in the middle of a park, and they were, like, people, like, kind of sort of social distancing. <laughs> until the mosh pit? Yeah, until the, the mosh pit when Gage came out. her cantaloupe? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Myron Reed, that's another – oh, man. I've been wa- catching up on Myron Reed a lot because now that we have – we're getting ready to debut uh, MLW on The Zone. We finally got pro wrestling. I've wanted to see uh, – Injustice, Myron Reed, and uh, I've been watching him a lot. And like that kid is talented as hell. There's a lot of talent, but they're all on the come up. And what happens is the pool is so shallow that once they are on somebody's radar, the WWE usually just gobbles them up. The only people that I can think of that the WWE hasn't touched that are that have been good for a long time are Willie Mack, Scorpio Sky, and uh, Jay Lethal. Those are three guys that they just haven't touched. Which is almost crazy, but everybody else they find their way in. I'm surprised about Lethal. I I am, but I think there would be nowhere for him to go if he was in WWE. He'd just be kind of stuck, and that's not because he's a black wrestler. It's just because they're too loaded with talent. And Jay Lethal's a really good wrestler, but I don't think they could figure out what to do with his character. I think Lethal would be really good in like AEW, maybe. But I, I don't think there's a home for him in WWE right now. I don't think there's a, lot, a home for a lot of people in WWE right now. They're low. Yeah, let's not let's not add any more people to their roster. Yeah. But no, yeah, I, I agree. Um, Myron's great. He comes in 27 on this list. Uh, another person we're going to talk about a little later that comes on on this list is Ricky Starks, hmm. where he just wrestled against Cody. And then you, if you go back and watch his promo work and everything, you're like, yo, this guy has it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, like I'm he, looking... he reminds me of Austin Theory. Like a, like him and Austin Theory are very similar to me. Where it's just like, yo, they got it. Like, if you just let them run, um, give them, like, you know, their real character. Because him and Austin Theory kind of have both hit the scene. And there's time for Ricky Starks. But they hit the scene with, like, this creator wrestler gear on. Yeah. And and it, you look kind of like a, not a jobber, but you just look like a nameless person instead of feeling special. But they got time with Ricky Starks if they really let him go. I just don't want to see my AEW dark for a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, 
You never know. I mean, there's there's also guys like uh, Private Party, of course, um, yep. on the come up. Uh, somebody who I thought was missing is is Desmond Xavier on this list? Rassels, Impact. No, I don't. Oh, I don't see. Nope, I haven't. Didn't make the list. That's a glaring. Someone has it in the comments that. Yeah. Um. That's a glaring omission. Desmond Xavier isn't on the list. Yeah. And in, in, in fairness, these lists are very hard because that means you have to scour everything. And what everybody's been doing. But the Rascals have been a great part of Impact. I haven't been able to watch Impact as much as I want to. But whenever I watch watch them, and I watch David, uh, Desmond Xavier and Ricochet go at it in PWG, Desmond Xavier is pretty goddamn awesome. Um, yep. So, yeah, he's missing from this list. But it goes to show that like there is a lot more black talent than there was 10 years ago. And they're getting, their, they're getting more and more opportunities. So... It's good to see. I'm glad to see that they even attempted to do a list like this. Lists are subjective, so it's really hard to really nail down who's the best. But I think most people will agree that Kofi's like the pinnacle. Um, but this is good. I mean, this is good, and I hope that this sparks conversation. I'm glad that they took some time to do this because not a lot of people give a shit about black wrestlers. Exactly. And it's uh, one of those things where I was like, you know what? We talk about the PWG list every year. If they're going to do this and make it a thing, I want to talk about their list, too. Yeah. Like, we have to give credence to, you know, these black outlets and say, you know what, your observations are as good and relevant as PWG. Like, if you're making a list for us, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, I need so to see, dope. like, it's just, it's pretty obvious to a lot of people, as long as he stays on the track, Chris Bay is going to be close to the top of this list sooner than later. Oh, yeah, Definitely. It's great to see Kofi on the top of the list. Yeah. Just, you know, it took forever. Um, but no, Chris Bay is just next level. If Willie Mack made it this year, which he had a great year coming into Impact, so I get it. Chris Bay should have that type of year this year into next. It'll take a minute. I think, I don't know. He just jumped Willie Mack already. Yeah. Like, he's in the top X Division feud already. I'm curious how he'll be handled in Impact for the next year. Really curious how they handle him because it's, he's he's hard to fuck up. Like, when we talk about carrying across, it's really hard to fuck up Chris Bay. He's The only thing he is is small. Yep. For, that's it. But other than that, I mean, he's innovative. He can fly. He's got great personality. He's got a great gimmick. He can go. So I, I want to see how they handle him because they shouldn't mess this up. They really shouldn't. No. It's just a matter of the only way you quote-unquote ruin these guys who are small and have the total package, kind of like Ricochet, kind of like Will Ospreay, they don't get ruined when you keep them in an X division or New Japan, you know, juniors division or something. Like, they can go in those aspects, right? It's when you make them and you let them, no, the hell with making them, when you eliminate that box and you let them grow on a full roster, when you say you can be a main event guy, you can be a heavyweight wrestler no matter how your size was before. That's the only time I see these companies, quote-unquote, ruining people. Ricochet would have been fine if he was in NXT forever or if he was a 205 Live guy. Like, he he excels. He's big fish, small pond there. They put him on the main roster, and it's like sink or swim. You know, well, Osprey's doing the same. He's like, yo, I conquered juniors. I'm going up. And I think he's going to boom in New Japan. I don't think anyone foresees him being ruined by any means. I think he's going to be great. 
what their next great champion probably to you know add in that mix. Will Ospreay is a heavyweight, so that's the only thing to me. Like I think Chris will be fine this year, maybe year and a half, become you know the ultimate finesser of the X division, the biggest asshole heel they have in the X division. It's what happens when they allow him to outgrow the X division. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Uh, on the case of Ricochet's, you know, I hate to do this to you, but I kind of told you so. Um, I mean, my boy, my boy Trevor couldn't cut a promo. No, and, but we're, and, we're getting there. We're getting there. There's hope. No, there's Him and Cedric. There's a black faction of Bruin. There always is a black faction of Bruin. As long as you got the New Day, I, I'm not entirely sure they're gonna. Oh, but I like MJF. As long as the New Day don't go heel again, which they can't, pretty much at this point. There's room for a black heel faction. MJF is putting together some night. They're not going to win a lot. But they could win enough. Yeah. Apollo got a belt. There's no reason why Cedric and Ricochet can't be the tag team for that stage. Oh, you're talking about MVP. Yeah, yeah. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, who the fuck did I say? Yeah, you MVP. said MJF. And I was like, really? Oh, sorry, not MJF. MVP. I like that. I like that dynamic. See, I, I just can't see... <sighs> There's just not enough TV time for all these guys. And, really, I mean, cut out the fucking bowling and the Olympic trials. You're not. They're not. I don't know what they're going to do with that. Angle. I mean, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I feel it like has, it has to end. <laughs> Ricochet, like, Ricochet was one of those toys that Vince got a hold of and was like, this is cool. And then he was done with it. Like, he was just utterly done with it. He won the U.S. title and then lost it in, what, like, less than a month. Yep. And it was over. Like it was squashed by Brock, and then that was yeah. I mean, that was really like they didn't even let him get in offense against Brock, which was terrible, terrible. But Ricochet's run, I don't know, man. I don't know how long he's gonna be with the company. Like him and Seth. I mean, we said the same thing about Apollo, and Apollo's getting a push, and you never know. Like you gotta let the guy at least get two times through the rotation, dude. I don't. I think Apollo's an interesting case because I'm very curious of what happens with him now that Bruce Pritchard's over both SmackDown and Raw. But Apollo, the thing about Apollo that makes him different than Ricochet is his body. Yeah. The dude looks like a million bucks. Not to say Ricochet doesn't, but when you look at Apollo, you're like, holy shit. And then you watch him wrestle because, I mean, let's be honest, from Uha Nation, I mean, Ricochet is probably one of the best athletes we've ever seen in professional wrestling, just in terms of pure athleticism. But Apollo was pretty goddamn good on the indie scene as well. So it's not like there's not enough room for too many of the same guys. And if they got to choose one, right now they're going to go with Apollo. Now, it'll be interesting to see if they give Apollo an edge and how it works if he ends up working with MVP. Ricochet's problem is always going to be the promo. Always. It's never going to go away. It's just something about his voice, the way he connects. It's just not a good promo. I don't know what you can do about that. You got to hide him in a fashion. (laughs) Like, I mean, outside of that, what what can you do? I don't know. Like, there's already a new day. That's the problem. But he wouldn't so, even fit like, with them. I mean, not no, no disrespect to Ricochet. All but he's three just, of them he's not can cor- cut promo. He's not corny. He like he's too corny for the new day. Yeah, nah. He he has to be. You have to give him an edge. Yeah, there's got to be something with Ricochet, but I don't know what it is. I, I said the best thing was Lucha Underground putting a mask on. Yeah, it's Prince Puma, but it's like, but they're not gonna do that here. No, they're not gonna do that. So I I don't know where you go with him, and he's he's just. An extraordinary talent, but the, he has to get better. It's the same thing with Jay Lethal, right? And a, a great, yeah. excellent talent, talent, but he just get lost in the shuffle in WWE. He just get lost. 
And it yeah, seems like he, the same things happened with Ricochet and Cedric, and they were just like, let's just put the two black guys together. And then have them lose to Shane Thorne and whoever the fuck Shane Thorne's tag team win. Now they're on main event. It's like, yeah. yo. Which I heard main events having some good matches. I don't believe it because I don't watch it. I don't know. <laughs> and I won't watch it. I'll never watch main event. Just like 205 no, Live, never watch it. Bite your tongue, sir. Now, I'm sorry. Live I, is not a main event. Dude, nobody cares. A, no, not anymore. Because it the, was really good. The Cruiserweight title's on NXT, so why would I ever watch 205 Live? No need to watch it anymore. I'm saying, though, at one point it was very good. Yeah, once upon a time. You didn't even watch it then. You're the <laughs> hater on 205 Live. I ain't got time, man. I ain't got time for all these damn shows. It's like Velocity and Shotgun Saturday and Sunday Nights, whatever the hell it was called, and Sunday Night Heat. <laughs> I don't watch none of that shit. Just give me what matters. Like, I don't watch yeah. AEW Dark. I just don't have time. I don't have time. Yeah, not me either. But we'll see. Again, you work your way. Apollo Crews was on main event for six months. And then they're like, okay, it's time to give you shit. Ricochet will have one more shot. Now, if he wants to take that in a tag team as part of a faction, whatever it may be, Xavier Woods tells the story of the New Day all the time. He was like, yo, listen, Big E, you're going to be here. Like, they love you. They have you as a main guy for however long. Kofi, you are entrenched. You have your your whole kind of like, you know, Mr. Money in the Bank, ladder match type thing, Royal Rumble. You got your gimmick thing every year. You're not going anywhere, Kofi. You're good. He's like, if the New Day fails, I'm gone. Xavier was like, if this fails, you guys are staying. They'll give you something different. I'm gone. I'm fired. And it worked. That was his, his last shot in the dark. Ricochet got to make that work. Whatever his last shot is, he got to make it work. He's got to be able to talk, and he can't talk. He's not. He has to get better. I don't know if he can. I just he's. I wouldn't even if I was him. I wouldn't even wrestle a main event. I'd be like, yo, listen. I, I just need to do promos <laughs> all the time. I don't think they they ask Ricochet. Hey, Rick, what do you want to do today? They don't care. They're just like, look, man, we need you to do some flippy stuff on main event. You and the fly guys, or whatever you call yourselves these days, go. Do That's that. a pretty dope gimmick. Yeah, but it's the, they're just going to do nothing with, with it, man. Like no, the, if they would actually let them wrestle, Fly Guys wouldn't be a bad tag. Like, the New Day, the dynamic... They'd be great in NXT. Yeah, but no, it's not happening. The New Day, no. the, the dynamic with the New Day that works is that Kofi had worked so hard for so long. And Big E just looks like a million bucks. And Xavier is a phenomenal mouthpiece. Like, they had all the elements that made it work. Like, Ricochet doesn't fit. Like, him and Cedric... Are really good. Oh, he could be the worker of a tag team. He could be. If it was him and Apollo Cruz, he could be the flyer to Cruz's muscle. I, I don't know, man. Like, With I a don't, good, they would need a mouthpiece. I, I just, I don't see it happening. They have to have to figure out something, but I don't see it happening. I just don't. I don't. You would be very right. Like, I mean, if the guy can't develop how to talk. That the guy can't develop how to talk. Like sooner or later, you put on a million great matches. But to be a well-rounded professional wrestler, you gotta you gotta be able to cut a promo. Yeah, I mean, and I say that I say that liking him, you have to be able to cut a promo. Yeah. If you can't do it, then listen. If they let you go, or if you want to walk, then I'll be like, I'll still watch your matches. I think it's good, but you you didn't live up to potential because you couldn't cut a promo. It's, it's WWE stuff. I don't know. That's any promotion. Like you, you'd be great. Like. Maybe New Japan, you get away with it. Maybe. But even their best stars have great, great gimmicks. 
and can cut promos. But, but that's not necessarily true. Like, New Japan, you don't even have to speak the language. You just can work. Ring of Honor, not everybody can no. cut out promos. Kenny Omega, great gimmick. Yeah, but Cutting, I'm, I'm Bullet saying, Club was the gimmick and the promos. But I'm saying you can get away with not being a great promo. Because, like, let's be honest. Like, when guys like Ishii, who I love, what's his promo cutting ability? Oh No, no, he's, he's great, but he has a role. Ishii's not a top guy. But I'm saying, the point is, is that he's steadily, he's still one of the, he's upper mid-card type. He's always going to be yeah, in that scene. And it has nothing to do with his promo cutting ability. No, well, but Ricochet, if Ricochet wants to capitalize on potential, if he wants to be the guy of any promotion, you have to be able to cut promos. Yeah, I mean, you would hope so. Even AJ Styles eventually had to learn how to not be a country bumpkin on the mic. And that's Ricochet's problem. That Kentucky comes out every time he talks, and it yeah. just sounds ridiculous. And AJ leaned into it, which is why AJ's better as a heel than he is a face. Because at least he was an asshole country bumpkin. Yeah, I don't know about Ricochet. It's going to be tough. I, 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 <laughs> it's the wrong company to try to figure these things out right now. Yeah, yeah. Usually you got to come into it with that. You don't want to get to the highest level and then figure out, like, damn, this guy can't talk. Yep. So it's tough for him. Um, before we hit this break, the other thing I want to talk about in pro wrestling, a little more of a somber tone, um, to this conversation. So it is pro wrestling speaks out. Speaks out is a hashtag. So, um, without spending 20 minutes on this, I figure we'll just talk in more generals about the subject. Um, But there's a widespread of both male and female talents at this point coming out and telling some of the dark side of pro wrestling. You know, the the sexual assault, the sexual abuse, the verbal and emotional abuse, um, physical abuse at times. There's just so many stories coming out about so many different talents so far we've seen jack gallagher be released by the wwe um we've seen aw wish jimmy havoc the best in his recovery i think for alcoholism but that wasn't like firing someone um so maybe they're just shelving him to get some help and counseling and then they'll welcome him back and then everyone else, there's been talks, but I don't think we've seen outside of executives and you know some of the owners at these wrestling schools take a hit. We haven't seen too many people go down yet. Uh, a name that trended a lot was Matt Riddle, where a bunch of messages came out of him having affairs on his wife, uh, which with several women, which, listen, it's not a crime to be a cheater. Uh, you look at a lot of guys, got to look yourself if you are a man look yourself in the mirror like at one point you were probably a cheater um so cheating's not great but it's not you know a crime there is one instance though where he was accused of coercing uh one of these I think, mistresses or women on the side to do something so that was clearly not right he said uh his lawyer said on a pad of sticky notes a bunch of sticky notes uh, that Riddle had, you know, filed claims in court against this person for stalking. And, you know, there's two sides to every story, but these keep coming and rolling out. Lately, I think today the latest was Joey Ryan and a bunch of stories coming out about Joey Ryan. It seems as though the skeletons are pouring out of the closet of professional wrestling everywhere except for the main roster. 
I guess kayfabe is, is real still there. Um, I refuse to believe every other promotion on earth has these problems except for the main roster. But we, we've seen stuff on Velveteen Dream. This, the, the whole climate has been a crazy couple of days in pro wrestling. What are your takeaways from what has spread across the internet? Oh, it's it's a lot, man. I mean, the wrestling business, and I have said this before, but like the music business has been one of the businesses that's always had like these disgusting people and kind of it's the worst kept secret. But yeah. it, it always comes to the front. Pro wrestling business is a little bit different because they still manage to not really know what happens behind the scenes. But you do know from shit like Dark Side of the Ring and if you've ever had conversations with pro wrestlers and stories you hear, it's just as bad as like rock and roll, like sex, drugs, and entertainment. Like it's it's crazy. So when these stories start to surface, it's not a surprise that there are sto- stories. You just wonder, like, who's next, and and it makes you look at the business a little bit different when you find out the names that are attached to some of these things. Like the Joey Ryan things is like one of those things where you look at it and go, "Well, shit, he was just kind of hiding in plain sight, wasn't he?" Like, he was just baby oil, lollipops, putting shit in, down his pants. Like, <laughs> this is a, he was a sleazeball as a character, and art imitates life. And that's the Joey Ryan thing. And some of the other talent you're kind of surprised about. It sucks because there's so many women in the business that are having to deal with this. And I, I, I'm always the person who likes to see both sides of this. Because the one thing I despise about Twitter is the ability to tell your side of the story. And everybody runs with it before anybody ever responds. And that doesn't mean that none of these stories are true. I don't mean that at all. That doesn't even mean that that 50% aren't true. It just means that when you speak out on something like this, on anything, people lack nuance. And they don't care to find out the details. An accusation is basically saying that that person is guilty without even trying the case. So that's always a dangerous thing to go across. However, when it comes to an abuse of power and especially when it comes to sex and the male and female dynamic, it's been far too long where women have been silenced and haven't been able to be comfortable to speak about these things. So now is their time to talk. It's man, it's just hard, man, because it's not that difficult to ruin somebody's life with an accusation. And you would hope that Everybody is telling the truth. But it it was like my thing with Bill Cosby, right? Like, Bill Cosby, I didn't, I wasn't sure if every woman that came out was true. But so many had come out to the point where you're like, dude, you're fucking guilty. You're a sleazeball, right? I don't want anybody to to lie. But somebody's always going to lie, male and female. Somebody's always going to tell a lie. Somebody's always going to be, have their feelings hurt and just take it a step too far. But I, in this case, I hope that something is done for some of these people. And then it's like you see stories about Velveteen Dream and like that one, it's like I don't know what's going on with that. You want to see something happen. And this but this is just the power dynamic between men and women in business. Period. And now the chickens are coming home to roost in pro wrestling. So we'll see, man. Like I hate speaking on things without details. I really like to know what's going on. And that's again it's not to discredit any of the women that have came out to say anything. But it, it's just to say that I would like to know what the hell's going on. I would like to know, like, what's wrong with these guys? Like, everybody, 
I hate to say this, but everybody was a sleazeball once upon a time. Not everybody, but a lot of people were sleazeballs, and it was acceptable, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if, in some of these cases, are you looking for accountability and an apology, or are you looking for something more? So I say that to say, like, anybody that's been that has dealt with this kind of abuse of power, I wonder... What, what do you want to happen? Do you want the wrestler to lose his or her job, or do you want an apology? And if or if, if a man, the worst thing you can do is deny this shit, because ultimately, if you made somebody feel uncomfortable, you should be able to step up and say, you know what, I am sorry for that. I apologize for that. But if it was some sexual abuse shit, it's a little bit more than an I'm sorry that's needed. So I, I wonder what everybody like, what these individuals want out of this, and. Are these men and women, because I've seen some women get accused as well, willing to step up, accept accountability for what they have done, and find a way to, to try to heal these wounds without being condescending or without being, like, you have to take accountability for your actions. But there was a time where, you know, a lot of men are taught the wrong way on how to deal with women. And so when things come up from 15, 20 years ago, there is a case that could be made for a certain group of men to say I didn't know anybody, I took it too far. I'm sorry, but then how far did you take it? So it's it's a lot, man. It, but it's it's crazy to see this, and how women have been silenced for so long and unable to speak out about these issues. So hopefully this thing fixes itself. But it's it's rough for everybody involved. I just hate to see that so many women have had to deal with this, had to carry that weight on their shoulders for so long without being comfortable to say anything to anybody about it, in fear of losing their job. It's crazy. You know, I agree. Like, it's a horrible problem. But also, like you said, you know, there's multiple sides to every story. So I don't want to paint these people or these men as 100% of them are, you know, guilty of all these things. But I, I do believe where there's smoke, there's fire. And some men are definitely creeps. You know, some men are cheaters. Like, Matt Riddle, you know, some men are idiots. And um, the degree in which they went is what we're hearing from these women and yet even then no one deserves to have this in their workplace right like being a creep isn't illegal being a creep at work i believe is a fireable offense so that's the other thing like no woman deserves to say yo you got to send me nudes to be able to train at this wrestling school this week you know or like yo you got to give me like crazy sloppy toppy in the back of the car to be put on this wrestling card like that that shit's ridiculous and uh vice versa men men i mean uh evil uno uno from uh super smash bros and then now the dark order came out and told his story on how you know he had to send like weird pictures and you know semi nude pictures to the guy to start wrestling when he was 14, 15 years old. Yeah, that's wild. Um, yeah, that's fucking creeps, man. And then, oh, and there's no no real defense for grown-ass pro wrestlers hitting on 17-year-olds at shows. Dude, there's no real defense for any grown man to hit on a minor at a show. Like, okay. But you're talking about shit that's ingrained, ingrained and creeped them. Like, you think back to high school. How many sophomores, juniors, even seniors are dating college guys? No, that's grown ass men. It happens. Thirty year old men. Like these this 
creep shit has been around for a long time. And I've always hated it. I hated girls in school that are like, oh, you're too young. I only date college men or blah, blah. Like, oh, you think you're fucking cool? You're dating a 22-year-old? And then I look at 22-year-old like, yo, you can't get a girl your own age? Like, you wax. I'm like, why are you around high school still? It's, uh, yeah, but see, that that has happened forever, right? And I think there's... There's always going to be a conversation be like, you know, 19 and 17 or, you know, like 21 and 17. And there's always going to be those conversations like, uh, you know, it depends on the state that you live in. Because what I'm talking about is like legal shit. Yeah. But then. I mean, Vegas is 16. Yeah. Right. So it's like if it's beyond, if it's within the parameters of being legal, then OK. You know, even if if I don't like it, OK. But they're in wrestling there is a lot of and a lot of in entertainment too in the music business as well it's a lot of like 33 year olds date like 16 year olds it's like yo the fuck is wrong with you like four or five years you know like four not even five years four years like 18 to 22 okay i'm that's fair that's fine yeah like i just saw that marcus houston is engaged to a 19 year old Marcus Houston's they say he's 38 I think he's older but either way yeah like what the fuck do you have in common with a 19 year old well okay but then the path gets a little bit darker because they said that this girl is the friend of Chris Stokes friend this is this girl is the daughter of Chris Stokes's friend which means that if that was the case Marcus Houston had met this girl because when immature was around before you know when she was a baby like there's no way i could ever look at something that once upon a time crawled and took a shit in a diaper as something i could possibly date this just can't happen it's just there's just so in pro wrestling when you use your power as a pro wrestling and as like an entertainer to leverage young girls that's beyond creep behavior it's like it's disgusting it's like you're disgusting and you know the statutory rape is what it what it's called because i guarantee you a lot of these men aren't looking at the law and be like oh let's see how old she is they just fucking creeps yep it's just awful. see a younger girl at a show and it's like oh i can hook up it's probably easy yeah yeah and it's like you know and, and they you what ends up happening is there's a maturity level and i think this goes for like people like r kelly as well where they can that that juvenile shit that they use against like high schoolers won't work on adults so they never want to grow up they never want to grow up they want to use that control they want to use like i mean it's like the taking candy from a baby shit like that's the shit that they look at but they could never like they say they, they could have anybody they want but whether it's through insecurity or you know control issues or whatever it's easy for them to get uh, somebody that that looks at them like somebody like the reason why me and my wife work so well is my wife don't think I'm shit. <laughs> like straight up, like my wife looks at me every day. She's like, "You ain't shit. I don't care." Like she don't say it, but I can tell, right? But some men can't handle that. Some men can't handle a woman that's, that's not impressed with that little surface level stuff. So you see these wrestlers that are doing all this shit in the wrestling ring, and they see some young manageable girl that's going ooh and ah and they go oh yeah I want to get that because she looks at me as like I'm a celebrity I'm a star older women they don't really go for it there are some that do but it's a different level of maturity so pro wrestlers that do that it's gross and again I just look at it the law like you're breaking the law dog that's disgusting they have statutory rape for a reason cut it out it's gross yeah 
just fucking creeps all the way around just horrible so um i'm figuring more names will come out there'll be some more you know just repercussions for some of these things we might see more people released we can always touch back on this subject here again in a couple of weeks or later this week however it may unfold let's take a quick break we'll come in and we'll review and recap real quick this past week in pro wrestling which uh, wasn't super eventful we're not building towards any pay-per-views but a couple of things to talk about so you guys stay right there we'll be back after the break All right, we'll get back to the show in a second, but first, there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. So looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, just that quick, we are back. And before we dive into AWNXT, and WWE main roster, the one thing I want to touch on, Dre, is I haven't had time yet to watch New Japan and the first round of their bracket, New Japan Cup, I believe. Um, you have, though, so far, enjoyable, worth the wait. What's your feeling on this? I mean, it's fine. It's New Japan New Japan Cup, the first round, is never much to write home about. Um, I mean, we still have the uh, Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre match that hasn't happened yet. Um, but uh, Yuji Nagata and uh, Minoru Suzuki had a hell of a match, which kind of caught me by surprise. How old is Suzuki? Jesus Christ. I think they're both we're, in their we're, 50s. We're watching this Taker last ride, right? Where he can barely put together three wrestling moves. Yeah. And then you look at Suzuki and what he's doing. Yeah, man, It's he, incredible. I mean, he's... Minoru Suzuki is unreal on a number of levels because he works <laughs> snug as hell, and he still got it. Like it looks, it, the offense is super believable. Um, it's crazy how good he is. But uh, that match was really good. Other than that, I mean, it's the first round. It's like a lot of matches that you, the, the win is pretty much predetermined. I don't think anything is too surprising. Uh, Suzuki's fifty-two, by the way. Um, but. You know, it's it's warming up to something just like New Japan Cup does all the time. Same with Best of Super Juniors. You'll get like a good first round match, but by the time you get to like those semis, you know it's just gonna start popping off. But it's good to see New Japan back in the in the mix. You know, they're operating in empty arenas. Um, they clean in between like every other match. Uh, there's no American commentary at all. These first round matches are all Japanese commentary. So there's no Kevin Kelly and Rocky Romero. None of those guys. Uh, which is fine because fine by me. <laughs> I spent much of my life watching New Japan without any American commentary whatsoever, and it still was fun as hell. Um, but these are good shows, and it's good to have New Japan back, and it's good to see some of these uh, these guys working again because it's been a while. <laughs> like there hasn't been any New Japan in months, so I'm glad we have something. No, so do I. I can't wait to watch it. Um, just you know that breath of fresh air with the different style, different matches is going to be great to really check out so i'm diving into that like what 
tomorrow, I guess, which would be Monday. I'm diving into that. This whole three boxing matches in one week really put me in a bind as far as uh, watching stuff. So now I'm hitting the ground running. New Japan will be on my one of my three TVs in the living room this week. And then we have uh, AW running the weekly show this week. A couple high points we mentioned earlier. Cody's match was good. I think the open challenge is cool to get some of these other talents on board. I just don't know when they start building a feud for him. Into it. I figure, you know, I think on some level they are planting the seeds for a Cody heel turn. Because he's, hmm. he started making mention of him getting jumped by Hager and them, and where were the Bucks, where was Kenny, where was Paige, are we still the elite? That's almost more interesting. I mean, the, the, this tight open challenge is great, but they're, I, th- I think they're getting to a point now where, yeah, Cody's super over, but it might be time to start letting these characters be the heels that they were meant to be. Because Cody's he's a babyface because we love him for leaving the business, but he's a really good heel. And if there was anybody that would make sense to build like a new stable, it would be him. Because the elite is really the Bucks. And Omega, because we, I mean, Paige just feels like an outlier, and, and Cody really feels like an outlier. But if you t- put Cody with like FTR and somebody else, you could have. No, but then they would throw his brother in there, and Brandy has to be in there, and then it's just all. Well, I mean, Brandy's always going to be there, right? But Cody, FTR, and somebody else, not, not his brother. And actually, that I wouldn't say that would could start the feud, but that's something he could retire his brother. This is real fantasy booking. But there could be an elite, an anti-elite stable. There could be almost a horseman-like stable with Cody, FTR, and somebody else. I have no idea who this individual would be off the top of my head. But yeah, they can bring someone else in. But it, it, listen, they got plenty of. It's room. truly t- like it's time. Like we've watched Cody and Cody's this, but Cody's a heel. And him cutting those promos, I was like, yeah, there might be, it might be time. Same with the Young Bucks. Like, I'm watching the Young Bucks. I think Matt's got that beard going. And I'm like, hmm, might be time to start teasing the heel. Like, these guys came in by baby faces by default because they had to be. You start a company, nobody's going to boo the guys that started the company. <laughs> no. But now you can kind of play with it a little bit because now you're almost a year in. You got to start doing some other things. You don't want your characters getting stale. I could see Cody going heel, maybe the Bucks. I kind of can't see Kenny Omega going heel. He's too fucking good. I'd say FTR before. FTR is definitely. I mean, the FTR Bucks Bucks. feud is going to happen. Like that's like inevitable. But um, but but I like what they're doing. I like what Cody is doing to put like you know Richie Starks and everybody else on. I just hope that we're leading towards something because give him Hangman Page. Nah. He has to turn heel, right? Page? No, I don't know. Man, Page is too good. I don't. I don't know. I mean, he's a good horseman character. Yeah, he could be one hell of a, a, a drinking badass. And let's be real, like FTR is kind of like, you know, South Carolina country kids. Cody is a fucking cowboy from from Georgia, and then you add Hangman Page, who's like a real cowboy. It makes a pretty good like cowboy stable. Yeah, I'm, you know, honest, I'm not mad at it. I know, like, there's a lot of people like AEW stable heavy. Look. The best wrestling was Sorry. when there was a stable everywhere. Like, for me, 
when it was like Nation Domination and DX and like the you know you had the Canadian like there was just I like factions in pro wrestling. Heart Foundation. Yeah, I love factions. Just the, just the way I am, and that's what makes guys like Austin. That you know you got the corporation with the Rock. That's what made Stone Cold really stick out because he wasn't aligned with nobody. He just kicked everybody's ass, and that was what made that stuff fun. But factions are fun. Factions are allegiances. Like I can't wait till Pac comes back with Death Triangle because they I miss them. Everybody forgot about Pac. I can't wait till he comes back. Like they they need factions and some guys need to go heal and make room for everybody else. Yeah, all their factions don't need a OG wrestling Hall of Fame manager. No, they don't. They don't. I'll say that. Just let let the people speak for themselves. What happened to Lance that, Archer? That'd be where, great. Where'd he go? I don't know. He lost to Cody and bounced. Um, I don't know. What's the feud for Brody Lee right now? Brody Lee's just trying like, to recruit people into the Dark Order. I was about to say, like you, like I hate that that was a one off. Um, even though Cage came in with a little bit of pizzazz, but where does where does he go? Well, see, that, that's that's why the, establishing this TNT title is important, imperative. But it's also, like I said before, like Moxley can only like he needs to have an extended title feud with somebody. Like having one offs and then just sending them back to the mid card or off TV for a while period doesn't make any sense. They got to book None. book that better. He's being booked perfectly fine. His opponents need something to do after they lose to him. Yeah, and then um, I like your idea for a heel faction. That's great because it's officially time for the inner circle to go their separate ways. I, I think Sammy is good enough as a standalone. I don't know, man. I really weird. don't think LAX is best utilized as lackeys for Jericho. I think it's. I don't. I personally, I think it's too soon to break him up. I think. It's, I don't think they need to be broken up much more than they need to let LAX shine. Gravera, yeah, can they just go their own ways? I, like, I, do programs outside of all of us versus one person? Well, I, that's what they, they should still be inner circle, but do that. Like, That's fine. I just don't need them to always be inner circle versus Matt Hardy. You know, like, everyone takes all six of you? No, they should have their own like, program. But, I mean, that's what DX used to be. Like, DX was... It, when you their talent wasn't th- I mean shout out to the New Age Outlaws but New Age Outlaws to me weren't as talented as LAX has a, shown to be or could be not at all Not. A, I mean they weren't even they couldn't even scratch the surface no. of what LAX could do LAX just needs to shine as a tag team if they're going to still be a part of the inner circle they just need to be able to do LAX type things and not always be around to help Jericho or somebody jump somebody they need to have their own yeah. tag team program that's it that's it. Guevara needs to have his own program, not just get run over in golf carts by he people. Was fucking hilarious. Uh, hilarious, but like, give the kid his own program, extended program. You know, like, it doesn't have to be for a belt. Give him just a secondary feud. I'm sure. I mean, let him beat someone. I'm like, sh- let him and Darby Allen run with it. Yeah, I'm sure they're gonna, Darby's hurt, so I'm sure they, they. Oh yeah, I mean, which they're booking that well. But I'm saying, like, that was like their little feud for a second, right? Like, that was the only teased. Sammy Guevara singular feud. There's, see, I don't want them to introduce another title, right? But no, what I would do, what I see that's really good that AEW kind of leans into is like they they have these the younger, smaller talent work with each other. Guevara, Jungle Boy, Darby Allen. Yep. There's a lot of great feuds that can happen that have nothing to do with titles. They should just be great feuds. Like, 
They've done great with that with MJF. Yeah. MJF has had his own feuds, title, no title, whatever. It doesn't matter. He's had his own feuds. I just want to see Sammy kind of get the same. But they've done great with that on, you know, smaller basis. Orange Cassidy's in the middle of it. Orange Cassidy, I can't wait till this dude gets a crowd again. Um, he, oh, the pop is going to be yeah, huge. He needs, uh, Give him his own music. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's just really good. The other thing that's been working really well in AEW is this pick swollen Britt Baker shit. For whatever reason, Britt Baker Aww. is like a million times better injured than she is when she's healthy. <laughs> Genius. Because she doesn't have to wrestle. Dude, it, and the gimmick is gold, and Swole is hilarious. Sw- I mean, her and Swole, when, when Baker's finally healed up and they have their feud, you don't need a title. They're just building heat. That's the way to build a feud. All feuds don't need to have a title attached to it. This one is pretty good. And it's fun. Baker's fun. ACL surgery. By that time, Swole might have the title. Maybe. But as long as they keep something going with those two, whether it doesn't have to be every week, it could be just little yep. jabs here and there. Uh, you built have something. her heckle the shit out of Swole the whole time. Yeah, you have, you have a return program set for when Baker comes in. She doesn't have to come in cold. She can come in hot with a feud that's been established for weeks on weeks on weeks. That's smart. I like it. I love how they use the characters in the crowd. Yeah. Because, again, you don't have to wrestle every week. As part of the crowd, you're not faceless. You're not nameless. You are still playing up to your gimmick. In WWE, they try to have the NXT people just faceless and nameless. Yeah, it's silly. It's like, I see you, Shotzi Blackheart. I know. Yeah, like, I saw you wrestle on Wednesday, Shotzi. Like, you just wrestled Sasha Banks. You're telling me she comes out and you're not going to reference that in the crowd? Kind of. Like, you could play your character into this. Some people still do. Like, uh, the Bouge Cruise guy was getting it in with Street Profits. Yeah. Doing his really his crazy <laughs> air guitar. You know, you have um, Malcolm Bivens. Always great in the crowd. So some people are leaning into it. But others are just faceless and nameless. So that that's weird. Um, talking... Well, we'll go to NXT first. NXT, to me was a convoluted week and I didn't notice it until after everything was done and someone, it might have been Justin Ivy in group chat, shout out Justin told me like, oh they're trying to compete with AEW so AEW is going to have Fighter Fest and now they're trying to counter program that July week those two July weeks so stupid. to not lose and get crushed in the ratings because AEW is putting on a glorified pay-per-view over television for two weeks so it seems like AEW WE, I was going to say, but NXT is trying to keep pace with them. And to me, you got to run this race with blinders. Yeah. The, I, so the heavyweight title scene has six people in it right now. It's the, the NXT title. You know, scene okay. I'm not mad at this in the sense that I like the idea. Of everybody that's had a word for the the North American and the NXT Championship are involved, I don't like that this is happening with no major show attached to it. So, if we if because they're they're playing this whole winner takes all thing, right? But this winner yep. takes all thing should happen at SummerSlam, and yep. if that's going to be the case, we should like that should be the only feud with multiple people in it. Instead, it feels like everything has too many people in it. 
So like this one, when I saw Gargano come out, I was like, good. I, I was I, I wanted to see him and Keith Lee continue, but now we're getting a triple threat, and then it's like then we're gonna say, well, next week, no, man, don't rush yeah, this. We wanted Balor versus Cole. Yeah, but now Balor's out and Cole's there, and then Karrion Cross is still in this. Like I like I like the idea because. What I feel like maybe that they're doing, maybe not, because they pre-taped a lot of this stuff. Well, they pre-taped everything. So when Keith Lee broke Cross's uh, hourglass, I was like, yep. ooh, maybe they're setting up something with Cross and Lee, which I would love to see at SummerSlam. I don't want to see it in, like, the 4th of July week or anything like that. I want to see them kind of plant seeds for really good feuds out of this. But where you're right is, like, Man, I was watching this show and I was like, man, holy fuck. Like the tag team division it was like eight it was like everybody came out. I'm like, what is this? Every team they have. <laughs> I was so confused at why this was happening. I was like, why? Okay. Brizongo, uh uh Oni Lorkin and Danny Burch, just won. The yeah. Jobby Powers of Pain, whatever the hell you want to call them. Why is this happening? There is no story with any of them. Except they, I guess they all want the title, and nobody gives a shit. And it made you realize at that very moment how weak NXT tag teams division all of a sudden became. Yeah, and then you look, you you look at it, you be like, oh, there's what, like five people involved in that angle, and then you're like, yo, that's a lot of fucking people. And then the next promo segment is Dream, and uh, fucking what's his face? Dexter Loomis or you- Dexter Loomis, Dream and Dexter Loomis. And Loomis is creeping on Dream because he's creepy and I like that. But he puts over the couch during Dream's promo a picture with him and Dream and the tag team titles. Right. So I'm like, okay, so now we got six. Mind you, Roddy just cut a promo earlier in the show where he scared the shit of Dexter Loomis. So it's going to be Undisputed Era tag team versus Dream and Loomis at some point. Tag team match. And those guys are perennial contenders. So now there's seven people in this tag team title feud. It's a lot. In one way or another. And, and then to top it all off, you had the tag team title match, women's tag team title match, where Sasha and Bailey win, go over on, uh, who was it, Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart. Yeah. And then for... Good match. It was a good match. And then Io Shirai comes out. Why? For what? I, like, I was... Two, two reasons why I didn't like this. One... Io Shirai has been so good as a heel, she should still not give a fuck if people are getting jumped. This is, like That looks like her character just doesn't care. Why yeah. should she care that these two women from NXT with the tag titles just beat up two women that are probably going to want a shot at her title? I don't give a shit. I, I, didn't, I didn't like that at all because I'm like, well, now what? Now we're getting more people involved? Like, what are we doing here? Why did that happen? That was this no episode of NXT was like they just sat there and was like, yo, how can we get like almost everybody in the show? I think I think she's a baby face now because Johnny Gargano mentioned that Candice LeRae wants to go well, after the title see, but the, and they want to be the first man and woman. Yeah, whatever. Uh, NXT champions, which there's whatever. But I mean, I think he threw her name in the ring but, in the hat for that. But so. I think I think the way you don't have to <clears throat> you don't have to do things that make me say, oh man, she's a baby face. Like Oscar is still Oscar. Like, Asuka yeah. still does the same thing that she was doing with the heel, with the makeup and everything, as a babyface. Nobody had to tell me she was a babyface. I don't need to be told Io Shirai is a babyface. I don't need her making exactly. saves. I don't need her helping people. I just need her to take on all challengers. 
And in a, a show that was be a badass. Yeah, the show that was already jam packed with people, to have her come out for reasons unknown, I was like, wait, what, why is, why yeah, did that happen? Like, do you just want to show that she's on the class of Sasha and Bailey? Like, okay, I didn't need that. I didn't need that. Like, if you're not spitting Sasha and Bailey up yet, then just have Bailey come to take over and have her versus Io Shirai and have him put on a fight. And then, are we turning Damian Priest babyface now? I'm wondering that, but I guess because Trevor Lee is a heel. It's, it felt weird. So he gave respect to Finn. Yeah, it was weird. And then now he's like getting hunted by a heel. It, it was it was weird. So for me, like NXT wasn't bad. I like I like the heavyweight title picture by itself. Like the NXT Championship with all those people involved. If it was working towards like a big program, and maybe they dragged this out, cool. But if this is an, an attempt to just counter program at AEW. That's bad. That's just really bad. It feels like it, and it feels bad. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> it, it feels bad, and it feels like I didn't notice it while watching it. I was like, yo, they're just shoehorning a lot of shit into this that they got to figure out by SummerSlam. And then I was like, oh, okay. When he mentioned that, I was like, oh, okay. They're trying to counter-program for those two weeks. It's, no, it's unnecessary. I get it. It's like, why do that? If you're as big as the WWE is, and I know, like, I know that Vince must grit his teeth every time the AEW beats NXT, but it's not because NXT is bad. NXT is uh. really good. If you let NXT be NXT. But if NXT operates in sole uh, opposition of AEW to counter everything that they do, you're not leading the race anymore. You're following. And you don't want to do that. You have way too much talent to do that. Just run your shows. Just take the L. Because you're going to lose anyway. That's what's going to happen. Well, the final segment is the only segment they beat AEW in this week. And that's Sasha and Bailey. Which um, beat the sex gods in the ratings. <laughs> just small things. So don't be surprised if Io Shirai and Bailey have a champ versus champ match or her versus Sasha have a match for the NXT title on July 8th. See, and, and that's, again, it's gross because, man, let, let NXT rock because they got way too much talent to be having to have to have main or Raw and SmackDown people showing up routinely because first it was Charlotte, now it's Sasha and Bailey. Who's next? Somebody's going to come. Who? Everyone. Ugh, stop. Shit. Send, send back someone who they're not Just using. There's five women. Where's Shayna Baszler? Dude, Shayna Baszler and Bianca Belair got called up for nothing. Poor Ruby Riot. At least she's been on TV a little. When? When's the last time we seen Ruby? Two weeks ago. What did she do? Lose? She lost. Okay. Um, her and Shotzi Blackheart took a picture for Instagram, and I was like, that's a tag team. Yeah, but... By the way, they both can go. That'd be a really good tag team. Um, yeah. I don't fucking know. Uh, then we go to the main roster. Anything happen on Raw? Um, I mean, aside from um, no, the, the MVP, like they're still dragging this. You know, Lana want uh, Bobby Lashley wants a divorce from Lana. Duh. Yeah. Um, which just when you look at it, you're like, God, what a waste of Rusev. We did all this for nothing to get rid of Rusev. Nothing. That was fucking pointless. Um, the whole Street Profits, Viking Raiders thing is just come on. Can we end it, please? This is ridiculous. Uh. I, I still love Drew Mack as a champ. I think they've handled Lashley really well. I think Apollo cheating to beat Shelton Benjamin could be a sign that of things That adds a nice come. dynamic. Yeah, could be a yep. sign of things to come. Again, MVP is the glue in a lot of this. Yo, MVP has been... He's the MVP? Yes. MVP is the MVP. He has been a million bucks. Like, MVP has been really, really, really good. Tying a lot of this um, shit together. 
the Oscar Nia Jax match, I was like, whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's dissension. It still looks like the final nail somewhere in this Zelina Vega f- like faction. Keep them together. Cut it out. No, I'm okay if she just goes with Andrade again. Like, but I, but I, why? I, they built this heel stable for nothing. I don't know. It did, look, it, they started it in end of March is when this all started. Mm-hmm. It's when Andrade popped. Yeah, it's June, and they're blowing this thing up already. And it was really entertaining to watch. It was. So I I don't I don't like them like just burying this. It's like Baron Lee. Like don't do that. Like you just you got some legs here. Now it's like Austin theories with Rollins and uh, I don't know. I know it's hard to book all this stuff because there's so much going on. Like you just had one of the performance center people pop for coronavirus. I'm sure it's not over because F- Florida is going crazy right now. Everybody's oh, testing yeah. positive, so this is definitely not over. But man, just have some cohesion or stick to something just a little bit. They like they have good things that are working on Raw, but I yeah. I really like the Zelina Vegas stable. I thought it was a really good idea, and I I really wish they don't blow that thing up. One of my favorite things on Raw and from the last pay per view, Samoa Joe. Yo, how are you that good at everything? When he congratulated AJ Styles on winning the IC title, and then he was like, he gets to go home and spend time with his family and his wife, and they just looks at the camera. And he just fucking snarls. It's like, oh, he doesn't let go of that feud. I love it. Here's here's going to be my biggest complaint about Samoa Joe. They got him too late. The the WWE waited way too fucking long to get Samoa Joe. Because yeah. Joe can't move like he used to. And yeah. if they valued what Samoa Joe had when he was in TNA and Ring of Honor and brought that to the dance, this guy would be a short shot Hall of Famer. It sucks because he's never had, like, the real run that he's supposed to have in, in WWE because he's too fucking good. He's too yes. good at everything. But this is a good way to let his body heal and not waste well, it. Because he did have back-to-back injuries. He popped for that test. But from what I saw online, which, you know, everything online isn't real, it might have been just trying to rush back his body. Which, I mean, which is fine. And, but the, the, it's, it's, And he popped. Like, he's not, you know, a steroids guy, but he popped trying to get back in time. And fucked up, popped the test, and then had to sit back again. So you let his body heal while giving him something he's very good at. Well, he's good at everything. I'm, my point is, is that, that is. Joe is, his body is breaking down. And now yes. now you have Joe and his body's breaking down. And it's like yeah. people are in, watching him in the WWE cut, you know, do the great on commentary. He's had some really good matches. But they've never seen the version of Joe that I put in my personal list of my favorite wrestlers. Like, people didn't see um, X-Division Joe. X-Division Joe in TNA was arguably one of the greatest wrestlers I've ever seen. Because a guy that was that big, that was moving the way that he moved, with the impact and power they did, they booked him perfectly there. And that's why his body is where Yeah, that's is. why his body's Those hour-long matches in ROH, like, him and Punk thought that shit was cool. Nah, he, Both of their bodies broke down. I mean, dude, him, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk... Uh, I mean, Christopher Daniels. Yeah, Christopher Daniels. But I'm looking at those three in particular, like, because they they got Brian and Brian ended up you know breaking his neck and he's still unbelievable. But a lot of people never saw Ring of Honor Brian Danielson. They never saw that guy, and it, like he's been great because he can't be anything less. Like him and AJ Styles, they're just even AJ on cruise control is still better than like 75 percent of the roster. 
But a lot of people yeah. never saw 100% AJ. They didn't see X Division AJ or they didn't see New Japan AJ. And yep. But fortunately, AJ's not broken down. Joe, on the other hand, can't move like he used to. And I hate that. And, he, and I don't think he'll ever get a run with a main title. I wish they, no, I I wish so. they would, though, because he's so fucking good. So great. Um, but he'll be a constant foil for that main title. Yeah. Like he's 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 good. He's good at what he does, and I think he's still got a couple years left in the tank. And now he's found something that'll make him part of the WWE family for for years. Yeah, he's exceptional because he's great. Like you can't let him walk away as a commentator. No, he's too good. Like you had the guys like Jesse the Body Ventura when Macho Man moved over for a while. Jerry the King Lawler came in this fashion, right? Like Lawler would still wrestle against Bret Hart every now and then. He'd still wrestle against Babyface and then take his back ass his ass back to the table. Like Joe can be that next guy and do it to that level. Yeah, he's he's so so good, so good at everything he does. Um, so SmackDown, I think was more eventful. SmackDown was actually okay for me this week. Um, let me see. I I'm tired of the the Sheamus Jeff Hardy thing already. Yeah, <laughs> Hardy has to get redemption. You can't end it with the drunk recovering DUI guy being framed and losing. So, yeah, I get it. Um, but Matt Riddle going on AJ was huge. It was a great way for him to debut. Matt Riddle yeah. teased Catchpoint getting back together. Yes. And I was like. And it looked like they were doing ooh, it. Gulak, Riddle, with Daniel Bryan. Bryan. Ooh. And someone said throw in the return of Chad Gable. Yeah, dude. Not Shorty G. Yes. Chad Gable. Like, oh, my God. Gable and Gulak as a tag team? Dude, whatever the hell they're gonna be like this. Whatever you do, it, but if they had a tag team run, my god, this is there's a way that SmackDown, dude, SmackDown's been bad for like months to me, just not good. Yep. But they have all this talent, and the reason why SmackDown was so amazing with the SmackDown Six is they weren't all involved in the title scene. This they can make the IC title really mean something with these guys, because like Styles holding the title. Is way better than watching Braun Strowman do anything on television. Like I, oh, easily. I don't give a easily. shit about that, him as a champion that, now. But that stupid ass for future, you know, for future players or players to be selected later, trade for AJ Styles already made all the difference. Yeah, I mean, it's been two weeks, two weeks, and he's elevated the entire brand. They needed. I mean, they needed him. I just wish they just do a superstar shakeup so you could move some bunch more pieces over. That makes sense. But regardless, yes. AJ's here. Shayna Baszler would, would work very well. Please, because, yeah, that segment when they had the women that aren't doing anything in SmackDown, they were just, like, all of them. You look, and I, that section, I was like, I get it. <laughs> They're like, yo, we're not doing anything. I was like, I get it. But they need, they need more women. But if you had that same thing on Raw, and I'd be like, no, she should be doing something, she should be doing something, she should be doing something. On SmackDown, I was like, nah. So, yeah, it's time to shift some of those over. Yeah, so, other than that, like, SmackDown, um... Let's see what else happened. I mean, obviously they're going full steam ahead. Those are the two the, biggest things. Who? Who was? Those were the two biggest things, and then of course the finale of SmackDown. Gosh. You don't like? I, so we have the champion Braun Strowman come out, and it's the return of Bray Wyatt, Firefly Funhouse, and then it is interrupted by Braun. They're going back into their program. It looks like, which I don't know what the hell Miz and Morrison was. Again, I told you it was just time for him to go on paternity leave. So he's back and he cut these promos from his crib. So he's still on leave. Just cut a promo every now and then, Bray. And 
we see the build and it looks like Bray is going to take him through. Hopefully it's not cinematic. Um, but this one might be cinematic. But at SummerSlam, sooner or later, you got to really wrestle. Uh, but he's taking him through the Wyatt family history. And at the end, we see the return, temporarily for this storyline, of Riverboat Bray. And I really liked it. This is where they have to go with these two. They're not going to be great in-ring. So why try? Lean into this. <sighs> I'm, dude, I don't care. Why don't I care? Because I don't care about Braun Strowman. I just... I don't care about Strowman. I still like Bray Wyatt. I just need something. Like, this is not the feud for Bray Wyatt. Again, this... This is... I get He doesn't need the belt. No, no, it's not that. It's not even that. It's that Bray Wyatt, I would like for him to get into a really good feud. One, that, yes, doesn't need the title. And two, so he can wrestle. (laughs) Like... Because what are you going to do? But we know he's not a great wrestler. I'm just I'm just saying in the sense that because this thing with Braun Strowman is going to be some more psychological bullshit. And yeah. the match itself, I don't know what it's going to be. I just don't care about Braun Strowman. I will tell you this. With Bray Wyatt, nothing's going to top storyline and in-ring more than him versus Daniel Bryan. No. That, that strap match, which I don't know why it was the Fiend versus Daniel Bryan with the strap match. That shit was great in ring for what Bray Wyatt can do. But see, th- this is my point. That was probably his highest level that Daniel Bryan took out of him. So he's not going to get that from Strowman. He's not going to get that from unless it's AJ Styles, unless it's Daniel Bryan. I don't even need to see the guy but wrestle. Just do this shit. You led me to my point. I was watching the Undertaker finale. I, I take it you haven't watched the, the last ride. I haven't watched okay. the finale yet. So there's a segment in there where Undertaker talks about how he wanted to have his last match. And he realizes that me working with big people just doesn't work. My best work has always been with like Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle. And he was like, and I want to wrestle AJ Styles. Bray Wyatt is in the same boat as The Undertaker. Even though Bray yeah. is not as big as The Undertaker, Bray Wyatt needs to be in feuds with guys who can carry great matches that can cover up his flaws, let the psychological stuff happen outside of the ring, but let them be the ring generals inside of it. Because that's why I don't care about this feud, because I know this shit's going to be bad. But if you put Bray Wyatt in there with Daniel Bryan, you put Bray Wyatt in there with AJ Styles, you put Bray Wyatt in there with Matt Riddle or Drew Gulak or Nakamura or Cesaro, you run down the list of all these talented people that you can develop and make, because Bray Wyatt is, is almost in the business now of making stars because yeah. what he can do outside of the ring is more valuable than what he can do inside of it. So whoever he feuds with, whether he chooses to put them over or not, or whether they want him to put them over or not, which I would say no to a lot of these guys, but you put them, you, you give them a feud, something for people to sink their teeth into. And then you have a yeah. real match like an AJ Styles yeah. fiend match. Because, again, if you take away the whole invincibility thing with The Fiend and just have The Fiend as just this brutal, like, mankind-type character who could take an enormous amount of punishment, but he can lose. That would be great. But Braun Strowman, that ain't it, dog. Nobody wants to see that shit. No, he has to beat Braun Strowman. But you're, you're completely right when it comes to that. He's at the point where he could and should elevate characters. And he's shown that he has. Daniel Bryan was kind of middling in that fucking heel turn and... He had, uh, what's his face, who got cut with the animal, with the spider, it turned out to be. Um, but he had, like, the cool belt and all this stuff, and then he lost the belt, and it was like, okay, what's next? And he, 
Bray Wyatt facilitated that return to the Yes Movement. Yeah. And it made it work. Him crushing Finn Balor made Finn coming back as the Prince work. You can elevate people with Bray Wyatt now. You've been waiting for so long to see where and how you can get a guy like Aleister Black over. Bray Wyatt is it. That's what I'm saying. He can carry those promos. You're right. The Braun is a waste. Because the Braun, this is just to get the title off of Braun. But see, which, and then you're praying, praying that by that point, Corona goes through and everything checks out and Roman Reigns will come back. I just, like, again, my, my problem is I don't want the Fiend with the title. I don't need the Fiend like, with the, the title. The Undertaker what, did a lot of phenomenal work without the title involved. Like, yep. the, both Shawn Michaels matches, no title. Triple H, no title. No title. Losing yeah. to Brock Lesnar, no title. Uh, you go to, like, a lot of Undertaker's greatest moments were not necessarily attached to the title. Bray Wyatt could be a star and help build other talent from obscurity into at least upper mid-card with a feud that's not attached to a title. So yep, they need to figure that shit out. They got to stop. They got to get him out of the title picture. It's unnecessary. Uh, then you're just making me think of Strowman going over on Bray Wyatt. Well, see, I, I just think that WWE's going to put... The, he could go over on Riverboat, Bray. Yeah, but that's not what's going to happen. They're going to put the title on The Fiend. They, they feel like When they feel like they're close enough to get Roman back, they're going to put the title back on The Fiend, and then Roman will probably get the title off him. Because they... SmackDown botched that entire thing, starting with Goldberg going over on the Fiend. Goldberg botched it? Yeah, that made no sense. Never take the belt off the Fiend. Fiend, Cena, should have been for well, the Fiend belt. should have never had the belt in the first place, if you want to be completely honest. We, there, there was That's another fair. way to get there, which they didn't pigeonhole themselves between this and then the... the Him and Rollins started yeah, the botch. Like, yeah. But again, he elevated Rollins. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like The character work is there. The ring work is not, and the title does not need to be there. But, yes, Fiend versus Rollins without the, all the BS, without the, the hell in the cell, that could have worked just just fine. Yeah. But when all the chairs and sledgehammers, like, come on, man, it's ridiculous. We don't need all Well, that. they seem to back off from that. They've learned that that shit wasn't it. The red light, the red cape, like, they've completely ditched all that dumb shit. <laughs> we'll, see what, we'll see what happens. I just... Ooh, there's there's a much better way to do this because you have way too much talent on SmackDown for me to have to go into SummerSlam or wherever I'm going into with your SmackDown main event being Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman. Yeah, Strowman got to drop that title because he's not elevating the show at all. Um, I do like Nakamura and and Cesaro versus the New Day. Yeah, that's a complete pivot because Jackson Riker's a racist. But um, yeah, th- great, great job, Riker, for coming out as a racist. Because this is going to give us some really fun matches. Yeah, definitely. Works for me. I'll take it. Yep. I'm good on that. So uh, that's our show for this week. Thank you guys for staying tuned, talking a lot of wrestling with us, talking about our fathers to kick off the show for Father's Day. We appreciate you guys. We have a survey that you guys heard at the top of the show. If you can, please take. It takes one minute. Go on there, fill out the survey. Uh, It's for our advertisements and to see which ads benefit our show more directly and how we can increase our revenue so we appreciate that from you guys as well follow us on social media at corner podcast underscore me at kel dansby him at andreas hale it's been a great week great show thank you guys for tuning in we'll be back later in the week until then though we're out Peace.